Hi, everybody. Ron Chera here with another edition of the Minnesota Bound podcast, the story behind the stories, and a very special guest today. Um, if you go ice fishing, you undoubtedly have heard of him. You may have uh, met him. Uh, he is sort of, uh, I looked him up, I Googled Dave Gentz, and he's known as Mr. Ice Fishing. That's not an easy title to achieve. Dave, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Ron. It's always good to talk with you. Yeah, same here. Now, <laughs> what's funny is while we're doing this podcast, Mr. Gens is fishing on the ice somewhere. We won't ask him where. Um, Dave, as I mentioned, you're quite a story, really. I, I, I don't know if you appreciate it. I think you do. Uh, ice fishing has been very good to you and you've been good for ice fishing, but, uh, to achieve the name, Mr. Ice fishing. I mean, there are thousands of ice anglers and, and you got that title. That's quite an achievement. Uh, real quickly. I know you've told this story a hundred times. Uh, how did it all start Dave where you, you had a different job and you quit and start me there. Well, yes, you know, I was a, you know, avid ice angler and, and, uh, and, you know, my dad was a road construction worker, so he didn't work in the wintertime when I grew up. And so he, obviously we started out ice fishing at a very young age <clears throat> and, you know, ended up in Minneapolis. We'll shorten the story up, but sure matter of economics, you try to make it up in the North country and you don't, and you end up in Minneapolis. And I was watching a television show one time with, uh, Al Linder was, oh, I think Gadabout Gaddis is his name that's. <clears throat> and he, Al looks at him and he said, ask him when he's going to retire. And he looked at Al and he said, Al, I'm not doing anything to get retired from. <laughs> and I looked at my wife and I said, I'm going to make my living in the fishing industry. And uh, we started this out. The hardest part was to convince her to start sewing the fish houses. <laughs> well, how did you how did you come up with the idea for these fish houses? And, uh, you know, years ago, I had one of them. I, I don't know if you, you gave it to me or I bought it or whatever, but it was made of wood and had canvas and it was kind of like a pop-up tent. You could pull it with some ropes over the ice. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. How did that? You know, it actually was, yeah, it actually started in my family when I was single digits in age. My uncle built the first one in his apartment building in Sock Rapids, Minnesota. And he built, bent the tubes around a 55-gallon drum, which is a pretty tricky thing to do. You got to fill them with sand first to do that. <clears throat> and he built this little house. But back in them days, we did only fish with one line, you know, up on Malax Lake is where they went. Uh -huh. So how big a fish house you need to, to sit in a fish house and watch a bobber. Right. You know, <laughs> you know, and so the concept was around a long time. My dad and him both had a house that fit in the back of their 1952 Buick. <laughs> you know, that tiny little trunks and a big long hood in them old days. But you and, you, you took it from there and, and you started making some and, yourself? Yes, and we took that design and and you know, made the flip over fish houses, maybe instant setup, no no setup time. Uh, like the first ones when we built them, we we took them up to Pelican Lake at Orr, Minnesota. It was really windy that day, and the the bigger sunfish were biting, and we're sitting inside these shelters, 
and everybody else is standing outside in the wind. And you know, I spend more time outside the shelter with somebody else showing it to them. <laughs> and that's kind of how it, how it all got kept going. I kept going from person to person to person, you know. And, and then electronics showed up in the in the game, and and on the first time I seen my hook sink down on my on my uh, Cytex FL8 it was back then. I knew that was a major breakthrough in ice fishing. Yes, and, and you know, started building these little boxes and mounting the Sexlar and I'm or the Cytex again back then. Yeah, and you know, then I was lucky enough to be able to travel across the country and go from town to town to town. And you know, at one point I did seminars in all the Gander Mountain stores in the country, and <clears throat> just kept meeting more people and showing them how to do it. And you know, eventually it became my 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 living and but you know it was a family thing too my my uh daughters helped out helped build a fish house one of my daughters is with me right here on the ice today oh she's in her 50s now and she's still doing it wow well dave that that's an amazing story of entrepreneurship etc uh and then a lot of people don't know um that you were instrumental in starting the clam business clam is a multi-million dollar industry now and um uh you're still leading the clam uh, team it, uh, i don't think i don't know if you own any more of it doesn't matter it, it's not my business but uh, a lot of people may not understand that what you started dave is now a multi-million dollar operation right here uh, headquartered in rogers minnesota yeah, it is, it is pretty amazing how something can start in your garage can can grow into something that large, but and, and it, you know and it's still growing. You I know. know, and you know more models and and you know different sizes. This electric auger craze, you know, that just amazing how that that's taken off. And you know, two hundred dollar ice fishing rods. Who would ever thought of that when we were young? Huh? <laughs> I used to use a <laughs> stick with a nail on each end. Yeah, that was oh, my yeah. that was my ice fishing rod. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah, and it's and now yeah, it's 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 fun. It's just been a, a good life for me to be able to to do that and to have an understanding, you know, family too. That you know, I was on the road a lot. I was gone throughout the winters, but I had my summers off then, so it's not all bad. Yeah. And but then you fish in the summer too. I know that. So don't fool me. You fish year round. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm a river rat in the summertime. I love the Mississippi. I know you do. Uh, I, have, I just have to ask this, Dave. You you do so much ice fishing. You were just in Michigan uh, uh, not too long ago, uh, doing Yesterday. fishing. Yeah, ice fishing <laughs> there. Uh, tell me, don't you get tired of ice fishing? Uh, no, I not not at all. You know, I like said I'm sitting out here on the on a little chair on the ice right now down in on Mississippi river on my lacrosse. Wow. And, uh, you know, couldn't, couldn't wait to get here. We were spent five, six days in the UP fishing. And to, you know, today we're here tomorrow. We're going down into Iowa. Then we're going to Kansas and then we're going over to Nebraska. Are you doing this? And, uh, are you demonstrating things there? Or are you just fishing to be fishing? Just fishing to be fishing, spending wow. time with friends. You know, that's one thing that, that definitely happened over the, years of all my travels, I've got friends all over the country and all that I can't wait to go see again. 
and they're they're all fisher people. So you know they got spots. I don't have to look up spots anymore. I can just call on my friends. So somebody led you to a spot on the Mississippi. Yeah, we were in an airboat this morning. We got in an airboat and went across some <laughs> well thin ice and chunky ice. And <laughs> oh. Now we're sitting out here on plenty of ice where we're at. But, what, what are you catching? Uh, really nice perch. Wow. You know, from uh, I'd say nine to thirteen inches is probably the average. A lot of a lot of the fish in a ten eleven inch range. That's amazing, and, David. Uh, in four feet of water, four between four and five feet of water. Yeah. Um, so you don't get tired of ice fishing. Uh, what do you think about out there? Uh, the next bite. <laughs> 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 David, I... you know, but, but, you, but, you know, over time, you know, ways to keep warm, you know, clothing that's been developed now for the ice angler, you know, it's, it's just amazing how much warmer we are. Our, our boots, you know, our, our gloves, everything is, is just so much better. We're going you know, to electric hand warmers. Who yeah. ever thought there was going to be an electric hand warmer? Yeah, we're going to talk about that when we come back from the break. But before we do that, um, I have to tell you this story, Dave. Years ago, I was ice fishing uh, on Malax, and uh, we went out by snowmobile. There was only four or five inches of ice out there, and uh, maybe six. I don't know, but. Um, I went out on the faith that other people thought it was safe. And it was safe. We got back, except the vehicle tried to follow our tracks and went through. And it's a good thing we didn't know that. It's a good thing we didn't follow our own tracks back, or we may have driven right into the hole. But in the meantime, we're standing out there in the ice, and I look over about 100 yards away, Dave, and there's a guy sitting on his um, bucket, and he's got a long coat on that's hanging down, and I kind of glance over at him every once in a while, and he he hasn't moved. And uh, finally, I, you know, being an outdoor writer, I couldn't stand it. So I sauntered over there and and uh, say hello to him. I said, uh, "Jeepers!" I said, "I've been watching you here for hours. You haven't you haven't moved for hours." I said, "How, uh, how do you, how do you how do you do that?" And he looked up at me and he says, "Well, he says this is what I." do he says i look at the hole in the ice and i imagine i'm staring at a giant martini and my bobber is the olive <laughs> you like that one yeah that, i i forget when you started this story and now it started out it was going to be a grim story <laughs> <laughs> well i've had grim stories too the guy who never wears a hat is 20 below <laughs> yeah well, Dave, Dave, we're going to take a short break and uh, come back. We'll talk about how you manage to stay warm and uh, probably try to get a few ice fishing tips out of you as well. So uh, thank you for joining us. We'll be back with more Minnesota Bound podcast with Dave Gantz, Mr. Ice Fishing. I'm going to call you Mr. Ice Fisherman. That's what he is. Right after these words. Everyone knows how much my family loves Connecticut water. We have it in our home, and this summer we added it at the cabin. <laughs> and oh boy, what a difference. Really, for as long as I can remember, we've dealt with that cabin water, that Minnesota stinky, foul well water. Well, after a painless four-hour installation, we have Connecticut soft water and also Connecticut's K5 drinking system. No more bottled water. 
to try and make our coffee in the morning before fishing, we have great drinking water right out of the K5 tap. The laundry no longer smells funny, and Connecticut water also cleaned up our showers and dishes. The world's most efficient, worry-free water system. Visit Kinetico.com to find a dealer near you and join the Kinetico family. Also, we'd like to give a shout out to our good friends at Star Bank. Most people agree that we need to lower our carbon footprint while providing reliable and affordable energy. A diverse energy mix will provide reliability and affordability, which is extremely important during Minnesota's four distinct seasons. Fortunately, a clean energy solution for tomorrow is available today. That's ready to work alongside with other energy sources, and it's propane. Propane produces 43% fewer emissions than electricity generated from the U.S. grid. Propane is energy stored on site and independent from the vulnerabilities of the grid. And propane's benefits don't end there. Major advances are being made today for renewable propane that is compatible with the traditional propane and requires no additional infrastructure investments. Minnesota needs to use all our low-carbon alternatives, including propane, to safely provide energy, reliability, resiliency, and affordability. Propane, the right energy right now. To find out more about what propane can do for you, visit propane.com. All right, welcome back to this, this edition of the Minnesota Bound Podcast, the stories behind the stories. Very special guest today. I'm Ron Shera. Dave Gintz, Mr. Ice Fishing, they call him. I call him Mr. Ice Fisherman, uh, is with me Uh Dave, we just talked about your passion for ice fishing. You did mention the advancements in keeping warm, which for a guy like you that spends so much time on the ice, and you're not, I don't think you're out there in one of these $60,000 ice fishing houses either. You're, you're just out there, right? Yeah, we're just out here today just uh, enjoying the, the day. You know, and I've got my, you know, my clam ice armor suit on here that, uh, amazingly warm, you know, waterproof. I can kneel down. There's slush on the ice here today. I can kneel right down on the slush next to my hole and and stay dry. And and if you stay dry, you're gonna you're gonna stay warm. Yeah. What do you, you put know, on the, your What do you put on your feet? Uh, some some we call them blue toes. The uh, our merino wool socks. Uh, you know that's important stuff to you know help the moisture um, stay off of your feet. Uh, something we even uh, use two layers of socks, a thinner layer that wicks the moisture away. Okay. You know, but our boots have got just so much better. These liners, uh, you know, they've developed a way to keep that dead air space, you know, in between you and the cold. And, and I mean, your feet just don't get cold anymore. Uh-huh. Plus, you know, electric is really becoming part of ice fishing now. I know my daughter's got an electric vest on that you can, you know, she gets chilled, she can just push the button and, and warm up. Recharge, you know, electric socks. Rechargeable batteries, right? Correct. Wow. I, I think, you know, the lithium batteries from our phones are, are you know, falling into all these other things. And um, we've developed methods to uh, produce heat from batteries. And that was the most least, least efficient way to produce heat was with, uh, with electricity or a battery. And they, they pretty much mastered that now. So coal is a thing of the past. You still it's a good uh, thing to say, anyway, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned your boots. Um, I, I'm going back to felt liners. They they were a godsend at one time. Have they gone away from that? Uh, yes, you know the, the felt absorbs some of the moisture. You know the people I, only people I see that really have trouble with their feet. If, if 
if you have a sweating problem at your feet, and that's common in a number of people. And you know, you got to get that moisture away, and you know that that's kind of the secret to you know keeping your feet warm. You know, our gloves have got so much nicer too. They're totally waterproof. You know, and I had my hand down in the hole just a little bit ago, skimming the ice out, but, but I can do that because my hand doesn't get wet. You know, these blackfish gloves are amazing. Oh. Well, warm and dry there. I have to admit, I have to confess this that one of the things that bothered me ice fishing and took a lot of the fun out of it is when I had to take my gloves off and handle a fish and get it off the hook and and uh, you know your hands get wet and slimy and and uh, and then cold. Uh, you yeah. don't you don't have that issue? No, I'm, I, I wear these gloves. I'm, no, I haven't taken them off hardly today. Maybe the retie is about the only thing I haven't mastered yet with, uh, with my gloves on. <laughs> Try it with mittens. You know, I want to see you do it with you, mittens, Dave. <laughs> that would be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you waterproof gloves. So when you catch a crappie, a bluegill, or whatever it is, you can grab it, hold it, take the hook out, let it go if you want to, or put it on the ice for dinner later, right? Yeah, dinner later, but, you know, most of the fish that we do catch, we we, we let go. I mean, I, I've been fishing for, uh, well, a week now, and I think I probably catch, kept four fish because we had a fish fry one night. Wow. And, and you know, especially these bigger fish, you know, we just need to let them bigger fish go so somebody else can catch them. And, you know, and maybe I could catch it again. You never know. Well, you know, I saw you the other day on Facebook, I think it was, uh, you, you're holding this giant bluegill. And I go, wow, I hope, I hope he's not killing all these fish and you're not. Um, and it's very true, uh, especially the big bluegills. Everybody has to let those go now because a lot of us know our lakes are full of stunted bluegills, which, uh, now we know resulted from all of us keeping the bigger bluegills. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, in, in, you know, Minnesota, Especially there, the limits of five and all that we put in these lakes that hold them bigger bluegills, trying to preserve the few we, that we have left. And here's something really going to hold now. You could probably hear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, yeah, and it, that, that's so important that as fishing technology has moved on, that you know we just need to re- release more fish. You know, I was on on one of them uh, five lakes. Oh, around Thanksgiving time, and uh, everybody that was out there had their their five fish. In. But it felt really good to see all these people putting back them bigger fish. If the limit would have been bigger, there'd have been more fish in the tail. Yeah, you know, so it is working. Our our five fish limits. There's a lot of people that don't like them because you know, geez, I can't even feed my family. You know, my answer to that is, well, bring some of your family with you, then you can take more home. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the advancements in the electronics for now, they can put a, a transducer below the ice and scan around and find the school of uh, crappies. Of course, you can do the same thing in a boat now. And uh, some ways those fish can't get away from you. And if you make the presentation the right way, you're going to catch them. Uh, a lot of people are concerned about that. But, you know, the horses out of the barn, uh, our DNRs only have maybe two options. One would be to shorten the season or reduce the limit, uh, put more size restrictions, et cetera. So, and I know you've thought of all that. Oh yeah. We've, we, uh, we've talked about it 
you know, at, at the different meetings we've, we've been at and, uh, you know, we're starting to figure it out. I, I think we're, we're going to be able to save it. I'm sure. <clears throat> and, and, you know, my thoughts are these, some of these lakes full of stunted fish, <clears throat> we need to get rid of, rid of them stunted fish and the, one, the other ones could grow. <clears throat> so, you know, that's a, a good thought about, you know, well, they, they have done that. It killed off the, the lake that's full of, uh, Stunted fish and, and rough fish, and, and then restock them, and it's amazing how the fish grow back up. Yes. So, um, so Dave, it'll, you know, it'll what, take time, but we'll go ahead. It, it'll take time, but we'll make it better. Yeah. Well, if you're an ice angler, if you're a summer angler, you know who who of all people should be concerned about the status of our fish population, but ourselves. So. Yes. You know. It's we are the problem. It's not they. Yes, exactly. Dave, before I have to take another break shortly here, but uh, so far we haven't mentioned ice safety. Now, you spend so much time on the ice, and I, I go, oh, my gosh, is he ice fishing already? And I'm looking at maybe open water. I live on the Rum River, and it's open. I go, what is this guy? Have you ever fallen through, Dave? No, I have not. And I'm going to, you know, it doesn't call you know, late ice in the spring when you, uh, you know, break through trying to get off the ice because the, you know, well, because it melted by shore, you know? Yes. And the, and the, but no, I've never fallen in deep water. So that's, that's I'm going to keep it that way. Yeah. Uh, have you ever been concerned maybe? Well, you know, I turned around and went back because when I took the chisel and, and hit the ice and it went through with one hit. And then I didn't hit then I didn't hit quite so hard the next time and it still went through. Then I turned it back. <laughs> yeah, that would that would that would be a hard stopper for sure. Uh, oh yeah. You know, on this particular time I'm was thinking about now I was all the way out on Lake Metagoshi, which is on the Canadian border out by Minot, so way up north. And you drive all that way and you get there, now you're all checking the ice and I only want to go just a little bit farther, but you know that chisel goes through with one hit. So we had a we had to wait till the next day before we went out. Well, you <laughs> it, must let it freeze one more night. <laughs> uh, you must uh, chuckle when you see just recently what was it? Two hundred ice anglers got stranded up on Upper Red Lake. They went out there too soon. There was some open water. The wind come up and. And move the ice, and, and there they were floating out on ice, uh, upper red, and couldn't get back to shore. You go, really? Yeah. You go, really? I mean, <laughs> is a walleye worth that? Yeah, well, we never think about that side of it. So. <laughs> no, no, we don't. Um, that's true. And I got to, you know, I haven't been that stupid uh, in the wintertime, but I must say I've been on some lakes when uh, with my boat alone. Uh, with the uh, waves that uh, made you shudder too, and that was stupid. Uh, so we've all done some stupid things. Uh, perhaps yeah. me, me more than you, I think, Dave. Uh, Dave, listen, we're going to take another short break. When I come back, uh, we'll explore a few ice fishing tips. How do you know where to drill that hole? Things like that. So with that, we'll take a short break and hear a few words from our sponsors. We'd like to thank the Minnesota Historical Society. You know, right now, the History Forum is back at the Minnesota History Center. 
Since 2004, the History Forum has explored American history with some of the nation's very best scholars. That tradition now continues in 2023 with five events highlighting the diversity and excellence of today's historical scholarship. In-person and virtual tickets are available at mnhs.org slash history forum. Hi there, Ron Shera here for Star Bank. If you're putting your money into mega banks down the street, who knows where that money's being used? Bank locally. Keep your money local with a community bank that actually cares about you, your family, your business, and your goals. Check out the bank we use at Minnesota Bound. Try Minnesota's own Star Bank. You can find them online at starbank.net. When you call Star Bank, you actually hear a real living person answering the phone. StarBank has 10 convenient locations around Minnesota to serve you and all the mobile banking products that you need to manage your money. Check out all that StarBank has to offer at StarBank.net. Remember FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Hi, welcome back to the third and final edition here of Minnesota Bound Podcast. I'm Ron Shera, special guest, Mr. Ice Fisherman. He's better known maybe as Mr. Ice Fishing. Uh, Dave Gintz is with us. Um, for as long as I've been in the outdoor media business, Dave Gintz has been ice fishing, I swear. Uh, Dave, we talked about how you, you you just don't get tired of ice fishing. That's wonderful, really. You know how to stay warm. You know how to check for safe ice. But you, you do so much fishing. Do people... When you show up, like in Michigan, or you said you're going down to Iowa, anyway, Kansas, do people expect you to walk out on the lake and kind of point to the bottom and or point to some spot on the ice, say this is where they're at, or, or uh, uh, what's your procedure for finding fish when you go to so many strange lakes? Yeah, well, you know our maps are amazingly important. You know, and, and and now we got all our maps right on our phone, so it's it's pretty easy to you know look at an area, but you still have to recognize what you know, you know what the fish are looking for. You know, it's one of the things I look for on a map is if you've got a a, a large uh, flat area that's uh, shallower than the weed line, let's say, so, and then somewhere in that flat there's a depression meaning it gets a little bit deeper. So let's say it's 10 feet all the way around, and there's there's a place that's 15 feet. That's a magnet for the fish at, at early in the ice season. They're all going to go in the, go to that hole. Hmm. Uh, so little depressions, even, even uh, you know, Lake Winnie, let's just for example, so, uh, it'll be the same depth all over in one place is five feet deeper. It's amazing how many fish will be in that, in that five foot deeper. And why they're there is because these pikes, that are chasing, you know, we're talking panfish here now, or more than, than a walleye, they're swimming around chasing these things. Well, they go in these little depressions because when the pike comes to the depression, he doesn't go down, he keeps swimming straight. So they hide underneath of them. <laughs> I would too, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> you know, in the, in the weeds, you know, the, the pike is maneuverable in the weeds, so the fish are using the weeds to hide. Uh, like down in Iowa, is a good example on Lake Okoboji down there. You're you're sight fishing in this clear water, and if a pike comes by, it's amazing how those the big bluegills will be following them. You know, because I suppose they can see them; they feel safe. They feel you know, safe it's, following it's, the pike. Yeah, yeah. 
Or it'll be a muskie sometimes, too, down there. Well, the pike doesn't have teeth on the tail end. That's part of it, huh? Yeah, that's that's the good part. Are you the guy that you know, also so, uh, developed drilling a bunch of holes before you start fishing? Sort of like uh, trolling ice fishing style. Uh, do you do you do that, or did is that do you agree with that? Well, that's what en- ends up happening. You know, I'm sitting here right now, and there's you know probably seventy five holes within my ice sites that have been made today. And uh, you know, back in the old days, we walked around from hole to hole and and put the uh, water in the hole. If you you know you've seen a fish, you fished it. Now you got all these holes, and you scan it with the with the live scope. And and there's fish over there. Well, you know, we're in five feet of water is all we're in here right now. So if there was some fish over there and I go drill a hole, they're going to be gone. You know, but now once you get all these holes drilled, we scan them and there's, you know, you know hopefully there's holes where the fish are then. Yeah. And you just go just go over there. But it was really hard. Was it just in Michigan? And we were in 30 feet of water. The fish were suspended you know, 12 feet off the bottom, but you could not drill on top of them. Every time you drilled a hole, they were gone. I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. When you drill a hole, uh, the fish react to that sound, don't they? Yes, they do. You know, some days worse than others, you know, and and I guess it's just, you know, same thing in the summer. Sometimes the motor don't bother them and sometimes it does, you know, and, and you see that you don't know that until you're out there trying. In the summer, I always think, go ahead. Uh, catching fish is easy. The hard part is being where they are when they're biting. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, we all catch fish when they're biting. <laughs> That's true. Um, when in the summer, those of us that fish bass or walleye, whatever, we're always, oh, we got a cold front coming in here, or we're, this is a cold front. They're not, they're not biting. Blah 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 blah. Sometimes it's just a handy excuse, but do. You, is there such a thing as a cold front when you're ice fishing? It's kind of a stupid question. Yeah. You know, usually that means sunshine is what it usually means. Oh, you know, right. high pressure's coming in. Yes. And, uh, and uh, you know, my rule of thumb over the years, you know, being around the Mille Lacs Lake area, you know, a lot of my life, that on the, on them high pressure days, bright sunlight, I, I go to Mille Lacs, I don't fish bluegills, I fish perch. And on a, a cloudy day, then I fish in the shallower water. And, and fish with the bluegills. That's just a little rule of thumb that has worked over the years. Do you find the high pressure, uh, why wouldn't the high pressure slow down the bite for perch? Well, I think the, uh, well, I think the pressure is already on them because of the, the depth. Okay. So the, a little added pressure doesn't, doesn't affect them as much as a shallow water fish. When this pressure comes and it, it, it seems to shut them down, they don't want to feed you know, they feel full. I'm guessing is what they feel, and so you know, that's a, you know one of, one of one of the little things that I pay attention to. You know, the, or dirtier water. You know, I mean, I like sunshine on on a real stained water lake. Yes. It's, you know, because now they can see a little bit more than they could before. <clears throat> and then you got to pay attention to you know in the evening. There's always an evening bite. You know, as the sun's going down. Right. You know, and that's because of the zooplankton in the water. It starts rising up off the bottom as low light. And then the fish come out because it's so concentrated and they can feed on it, the perch and the bluegills. <clears throat> then as it, night comes, it, it just goes up through the water column disperses because the zooplankton is feeding on the phytoplankton that the sun created that day. And the crappies can swim around at night with their pectoral fins and their mouth open and actually feed throughout the night the, uh, the, 
the bluegills will say their mouth isn't big enough, so they can't do that, so they quit biting. <laughs> so, so after dark, you want to fish crappie. It's prime time you want to fish the bluegill. David, have you written a book about how to ice fish? Oh, you know, a couple different ones. Uh, the one called Bluegills. Okay. That, uh, that I sold a few, 2,000 copies of it anyway. And, uh, you know, something that made me feel good here one day, the, uh, one of the fishing pros talked about every every year at the end of the beginning of the season, he gets out the Bluegill book and he, and he reads, you know, what I would do first ice, what I would do mid-season. And, you know, it just felt good that somebody that fishes a lot actually goes back and refers to my book. That's a great compliment to you. Great compliment. You have a fountain of uh, ice fishing information, actually fishing information, uh, that you only get, uh, Dave, for all the time you've put in uh, to the sport that you love. Yeah, there definitely is no replacement for time on the water. You're right. You know, you, you can only learn when you're if you're out there. Well, it's time for you and I to... Uh, to have a little time on the water this summer. You mentioned the Mississippi River. I'd love to float the river with you. Let's see if we can put that together, can we? Yeah, well, you know, I had the best fall that I've ever had in my life on on the Mississippi there, you know, where I live up there in St. Cloud. And, uh, you know, obviously I'm not doing that now on the on the river, but, uh, you know, there are some clam events this summer or this winter that will you'll have to get involved with and, and uh, you know, do some promotion of of the new group that you're kind of in charge of and put together. Yeah, Menfish? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, for and sure. You guys are do, doing a good job with that, getting some, some stuff done, hopefully. And We're you, know, you certainly have my support. Well, thank you for that. We're trying to, dealing with the legislature is uh, like you want to pull your hair out, but... Uh, we're not going to go away, and we have a lot of things to do to improve our state fish hatcheries, our state public boat accesses, on and on and on. Dave, I'm out of time here, um, but uh, trust me, I'm going to be in touch with you sometime this summer. I, 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 I want to go when, just when the fish are biting, though, Dave. I don't want to go if they're not biting, okay? You you guarantee that? Yes, I will guarantee that. <laughs> All right. Well, that about does it. <laughs> that about does it for this Minnesota Bond podcast. I want a, a special thanks to my guest, uh, Dave Gens, Mr. Ice Fisherman, brought to you by Connecticut Water Treatment Systems. We'd also like to thank the Minnesota Historical Society, Minnesota Propane Association, and my favorite bank, Star Bank. So, until next time, don't forget to introduce a kid to the great outdoors. Mm-hmm.